internet, I was on the alopecia sites and I, I found it quite frightening as well because you see how far down the road your child could end up going. It, it may or may not happen and now if Holly did lose all the hair I think we would cope with it because of what we've been through but at that point when she had one or two little patches the thought of losing all her hair or losing such big chunks that we couldn't hide in any way um, that she'd lost a lot of hair that that really frightened me. Welcome everyone my name's Naomi you're listening to Talk Hair Loss with Alopecia UK where we share our conversations around all things hair loss. We'll be talking directly to those in the alopecia community to hear firsthand the ups and downs of living with hair loss. In our first few episodes, we're going to be listening to some experiences captured during Alopecia Awareness Month in September of 2020. The topics discussed are also available to watch in video format on our YouTube channel. Today's discussion is facilitated by Alopecia UK's Operations Manager, Amy. She chats with Emma, Isabel and Serena to discuss their experiences as parents of children with alopecia. I'm Amy, I'm Alopecia UK's Operations Manager um, and as well as the day-to-day work I do for the charity, I also run a couple of support groups for children. So over the years, I've met a number of children and parents, um, and I tend to get roped in with the kids at some of our um, annual events because I have a reputation for being a bit of a big kid myself. Um, so I'm just going to allow the, uh, my three lovely parents that are with me tonight to uh, introduce themselves. So if I can start with you, Isabel. Hello, I'm Isabel. My my um, my son is aged eight. Um, he started to develop alopecia at the age four, where his hair became patchy, um, and unfortunately, he's now completely lost his hair. Um, so yeah, at age four. Thank you, Emma. Hi, I'm Emma. Um, my daughter Isabel uh, developed alopecia in November last year and lost all of her hair within three months. We have had patchy regrowth, but unfortunately we're going through quite a significant loss again at the moment. So ours has been quite a short journey so far, but yeah, quite a lot gone on. Thank you, and Serena? Hi, I'm Serena, Um, I'm mum to Holly. Um, My daughter's 16 years old and she first got alopecia when she was 10. Um, She's got alopecia areata. Um, and she had quite a bad um, case when she first got it and this year it's not been particularly good either but in between her hair grows back and yeah she's she often has a full head of hair so quite different from the other two ones. We've got a bit of a spread there with with parents so we've got um, obviously Isabel's got her son and then the two daughters, but again, with different experiences with, with the hair loss. But um, again, I'm sure there's lots that we'll be able to share with each other, which I'm sure will be similar experiences. And I'm sure there'll be some differences too. So it's good to have you all on board. So thanks for introducing yourself. What are your memories of your child first being diagnosed? Either that first bald patch or that first bit of hair kind of, you know, falling out. I don't know who wants to kick things off with, with memories of that kind of initial moment of what is this? Um, I suppose, I mean, mine's probably the most recent one. So um, we moved house one week later. She started back at school because it was half term. 
and she said mummy found a bald patch and I was like oh quite dismissive of it um because just was just wasn't expecting it um and then went to the doctors and um took her to the doctors and said oh it's probably nothing it'll be fine and then obviously the, it, it, um yeah it all started to speed up quite quickly the loss of patches were getting more at the um, point of seeing that first patch, sorry, at the first, uh, what were your thoughts upon seeing it? Um, I, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe she just, I mean, because it, it was only the size of a 10 pence piece at that point. What had she, had she pulled something out or, you know, what could it, it still at that point didn't quite, because she's got, she had beautiful thick hair, lots of beautiful thick hair. So I was, I, I was like, have you done something? Have you caught it in something? She used to wear her hair up a lot. Um, so at first it just it just didn't twig until we that as we're brushing and then the amount of hair. We'd had matting and, and like a lot of hair coming out when we were brushing the hair and it was getting quite matted for a, quite a few weeks before then. But again, people were saying to me, or I even asked my hairdresser, and I said, oh, you know, I'm really struggling brushing Isabel's hair. We're getting through loads of conditioner. And she suggested some things and said hormones can play quite a significant part in it. And I was like, oh, OK, then. Still, alopecia wasn't the thing that I was thinking of. I just thought, oh, well, she's kind of that age. She's 12. Maybe that'll be it. So I think until we actually and we were really lucky in our area because that was at the end of October. Within four weeks, we saw the dermatologist. And it, it, we did have about three patches and still significant loss every day at brushing. That's when we got the diagnosis. And that was just, I don't know, for me, it just felt it totally knocked the wind out of the sails. We, yes, I, yeah, it's just really hard to describe it, really. How about you, how about you Isabel? For me, it was um, a mixture of emotions. It was partly relief. It was um, devastation and there's that continuous worry for me. My son was born three months early and um, he has hydrocephalus, but I'm very lucky in the sense that um, he, he's developmentally, he's fine. And so when I first got told that my son has alopecia, I was um, relieved in the sense that I knew we had gone through far worse physically on the out, you know, on the inside and everything, um, due to his prematurity. But I was also devastated because he got badly bullied when he started school in reception. And that is when he lost his hair because he got so badly bullied. And I moved him to a different school and he continued to get bullied there. And unfortunately, his hair wasn't growing. He got really bad. He stopped eating. He was losing weight. He ended up in hospital because of it. He was really traumatized. But there was also this worry because um, he did get tested for autoimmune conditions because they thought maybe it's an autoimmune condition because he was born early. And I myself have a couple of autoimmune conditions. They were, they were thinking along the lines that this alopecia could be autoimmune. So there was that worry of, oh no, I hope it's not autoimmune, you know, because this could mean it could open up other autoimmune conditions. But the results have come back fine and it's down to trauma with Oscar. 
and that is the devastation and it's whether we can get over that trauma or whether it's so instilled into him that he will never fully recover from that that's my worry as well you know yeah and serena how about yourself with with holly can you remember can you remember how you felt when you, either whether it being that first you know identification of the hair loss or even getting that that actual those the, the words of the diagnosis um by the time the diagnosis came i kind of worked out that it was alopecia um but it was quite similar to emma that she had like a 10 p 10 pence piece bald, bald patch at the back of her head and to start with we could cover it and and it was okay to begin with but um she lost quite a lot of patch quite a lot of hair um very quickly and i'd try and tie it up in different styles for school and and every time i tried it up it would along the parting line or where i'd had it tied up it would pull more hair out and she she just got patches everywhere none of them were particularly big but it, it was that that it all felt a little bit out of control that i couldn't i couldn't hide what was going on and she was going into school and i was doing my best to platter and change the styles and things and it was that that i found difficult rather than the diagnosis or or even finding the first patch it was that point where we couldn't hide it yeah. that it bothered me and i think that's really really common as well to kind of have that feeling of like you're saying feeling out of control because it is a difficult condition to get to grips with when you don't know what's going to happen you're not sure how quickly anything's going to happen if it's going to get worse if it's going to get better so it does leave you feeling kind of a bit what do i do here what are we doing what are we, we facing so yeah i don't know if anyone else can kind of relate to that ah what do we do kind of of feeling yeah. i can just remember going online and it being like for hours like just trying to get some answers and i mean for us um my mother-in-law has universalis so she's she's never she's always um actually she stopped wearing the wigs when isabel was born and she's you know she's she i don't think she's fine with it but so there was a family link but we we still never thought it would it would happen on no. sort of on the male side of the family because she's got auto quite a lot of autoimmune conditions her daughter has her granddaughter uh, my niece has and um, so we still didn't expect it you know on our side at all um yeah it's just hours and hours you know into the early hours of the morning right what can i do for me to educate myself even though i've got a mother-in-law with it still didn't mm. know so it's well what can i do and i can remember going into i was working up in york at the time and i went into boots and i was there for hours in front of the um shampoo and conditioners and somebody came across and they were like oh well this one's for hair loss and you know this that and the other and oh well, you can get some vitamins and oh well, this hairbrush might help I, you know at 60 quid later i'm like i don't care whatever it is and you know just anything to try and understand or what might help or but i think the realization came quite quickly in quite a short space of time and going on the forums and the auk forums on facebook and stuff like that were just a lifeline but from that you quickly got the everybody's very different what works yeah. for one doesn't work for somebody else and 
in some ways that kind of gave you peace of mind that, well, okay, just because I bought that and it hasn't worked, but that's okay because it didn't work for somebody else. But it is then also tying into that, I've got no control over this situation, so what the hell can I do other than sit here and brush your hair every night? Thank God she was facing away from me most nights so that I didn't, you know, couldn't see the just sheer horror of all this hair in my hands and what are we doing? But yeah, that just... What, what can you do? Helplessness. Yeah, I'm just wondering if, if, if Isabel and Serena can, can relate to that kind of trawling the internet and, and the hours spent looking for answers and looking for treatments and remedies. And Because again, my experience of working for the charity and speaking to parents is that that's commonplace to have that kind of that period of time where you want answers. Yeah, it was definitely true for me. I trawled the internet I was on the alopecia sites and I, I found it quite frightening as well because mm. you see how far down the road your child could end up going it, it may or may not happen and now if Holly did lose all her hair I think we would cope with it because of what we've been through but at that point when she had one or two little patches the thought of losing all her hair or losing such big chunks that we couldn't hide in any way um, that she'd lost a lot of hair that that really frightened me that yeah it comes back to that not knowing again isn't it yeah. you, you don't know whether you're going to be one of the people with alopecia areata that stays at the patchy uh, side of things or whether you're going to be somebody that like myself developed universalis and is that then going to be something that stays around or is it going to be something that you experience regrowth how, how about you isabel with the the kind of the, the looking for answers and, and and you know going down that route I got um, no support when Oscar first got diagnosed and he was he's under a paediatric consultant as well and he's lovely but um, it was just basically an alopecia just get on with it and I think that's the thing I think a lot of people who don't have experience of this don't actually understand in some ways it's actually worse than having an invisible condition because it's your whole physical appearance that's on show all the time, isn't it? Um, and I demanded to see a dermatologist. We did see one and the dermatologist said, it's never gonna grow back. Um, and I was utterly devastated. Um, and I, I wasn't going to accept it. And I did a lot of research and he's been under guidance, um, he's going to be guidance in St. Thomas's now on Great Ormond Street. And we're finally being referred to a consultant who will help us, hopefully, because he's that much older. Um, but I think, I think, it, I just think it's more than just not having hair, you know. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, including medical professionals, don't fully understand that. I think sometimes with the diagnosis, we are. I mean, again, I can speak not as a parent, but as somebody that has the alopecia themselves and the diagnosis that I got, which I'm, I say. I, it does seem to be very similar across the board, regardless of your age. It's just often that it will be yourselves often receiving that diagnosis, either with your children or on behalf of your children. It's given to you in a very matter of fact way that, you know, you have alopecia. This is what it is. But then that's it. It's like, well, OK, so, so where am I now and how do I cope with this? Um, so, yeah, it, that can be kind of like a really difficult thing to, to get to grips with. One of the other emotions that I thought was really interesting, and again, it's one that comes up repeatedly in phone calls that I have with parents that when they're ringing up for support, 
and it's feelings of guilt. Do you, can, you, can you put your finger on why you felt guilty if you did? I did. Um, Holly seems to be really easygoing, but she tends to internalise stress and she was having a really tough time at school and I should have gone into school a lot sooner than I did and she felt like I wasn't supporting her and because I wasn't going in and fighting her corner um yeah I, I blame myself that that was the trigger and that was the first stressful situation that she found herself in and her hair loss started around about that time and even now um it's at points where she should be really really stressed and she isn't showing that stress that her hair loss seems to be at its worst and uh, yeah and sometimes I can put myself in there and go yeah I've not handled that properly and is this down to me but certainly the first one I felt I felt very guilty when she was diagnosed with it that I'd not been in and fought a corner at school. How, how about anyone, anyone else? I think one of the things that sometimes I think sometimes the feelings of guilt manifest themselves in, in the fact that you can't take it away and you can't take that on for them. And it's, it's kind of, it's, or even as I say, we, we've also heard from people who, if they've got other autoimmune conditions in the family, they feel responsible. And I always try and say to parents that this condition is a weird and wonderful condition in many respects, but none of us are to blame for either getting it or for if our children have it, it, it being anything to do with us. It's, but yet it's, it's, I think it comes from that looking for, always wanting a reason and always wanting to know why. And I think sometimes that's how these feelings of guilt creep in. Um, and I say that, I think feelings of help, helpless, helplessness sometimes in, in order to not really know, you know what, what it is that you're, what is best for your child in, in terms of those, those initial feelings. I think that can yeah. be difficult. Because I know the, definitely for me it was the helplessness, but I know for Joe it's guilt absolutely 100 percent. and when we were talking about me coming on for this i said you know is there anything and he said but you know what would be the main emotion and for him it is the guilt because for him it's the link it's the family link it's the genetic link and i said you know again we've talked about triggers and you know i you know it's like well we've just moved house but she wasn't moving schools but we've just moved house and well it could have been puberty and well but it could have been a million things and exactly it could have been a million things and it could happen yeah. at any time and I, and I think it's it, I think kind of exploring those feelings it, it doesn't help anyone does it it certainly doesn't help you as a parent and it doesn't help your child either but I think it is a natural thing because it's it's one that does seem to crop up a lot we hear it was, about it a lot I don't I don't know about any of the other mums but in the very early stages when we talk about guilt there was one incident and it still sticks with me now where we were talking to somebody who I who I thought would understand it a little bit more because of being quite close to it for a lot longer even than me and it was very much of well it's just here and if needs be I'll shave my head and so-and-so will shave the head and so-and-so will shave the head to show some support. And I can remember sitting there and going straight away, I, I can't do that. And I felt awful as a mother because, well, no, I, I, couldn't sh I couldn't shave my head to show her that I support her in that way. And that made me feel like the worst parent alive because I would do any, I would lay down on hot coals and it sounds bad because it's like, but why? 
if I lost my hair through alopecia, to me, very, very different thing. But then Joe often says, yeah, but she wouldn't want you to do that. She wouldn't want you to go through that trauma because the, the bit that I've tried to, and everybody in the family got an alopecia awareness card in the Christmas card that, what, that year, this year, just gone. But I said that the, the bit about it is it's not a life threatening condition, but it is life changing. I stress that to everybody. That's the impact it can have. So, yeah, but I felt guilty for not putting myself in that same situation to try and empathize better with her or. But, but it's, it's, a weird, it's a weird one because there's very few other conditions where in order to empathise with somebody, you'd want to take on the condition. And yet, yeah. and, and, and that's not me kind of making fun of that, it's, it's something that does come up often. And I think I do remember um, my own mother, I mean, again, a very different experience to you guys because I wasn't a child when, when I was first diagnosed with alopecia. I lost my hair at 27. But I know that some of the feelings of helplessness would also have, have impacted my mum in the same way because whether I was 27 or seven, I'm still her baby girl. So I think there was that, well, what can I do? And I don't think she ever said, um, you know, I, I was like, you know, well, I, wish, I wish it was, I think she did say, I wish it was happening to me instead. But it did come round to thoughts of, you know, well, I, I wouldn't want that, I wouldn't want, want that to be you or, or you know, friends that, that, you know, offered to shave heads and things. It's like, well, no, I, I don't need you to do that. I, I this is kind of, it's, it's my journey and, and I appreciate that you want to empathise, but it doesn't need to be in that way. You can, I, can, I can appreciate where you're coming from. I can appreciate why you would feel guilty that way. But just because, say, something impacts on a family member is no reason why you should feel guilty for going to the hairdressers and having your hair done. It's not the way it works. Mm -hmm. So I can appreciate that. I, I felt guilty and I still feel guilty because... I, I have two autoimmune conditions. I have type 1 diabetes and celiac. And um, I've had it all my life. Um, and when they were investigating what was causing the alopecia, and they said they were to do tests for autoimmune conditions, that is when I started to feel guilty. Because I thought, well, I've got autoimmune conditions. Oh, goodness, I've passed you know, another autoimmune condition on to my son. And then I felt even more guilty when I was sending him to school and he was coming back saying, mommy, I'm different. I look different. I will never have hair. And it was the way he was saying it as well. He was so down, you know, and I got no support of where to go to get help. Um, uh, and it wasn't, I didn't want counselling because I wanted a counsellor who perhaps had had experience of alopecia or who understood the condition, you know? Um, but there just wasn't anything out there. And I was trying to, I didn't want him to focus on his physical appearance because there was nothing wrong with his physical appearance as far as I was concerned. But it was trying to get him to understand. And he still hasn't quite grasped that, you know, that everybody is different, you know, we've got the different colored eyes, etc. But he still feels that, he still feels the same. Yeah, and, and, hopefully, and hopefully as time goes on, um, hopefully yeah. when things get back to normal with support groups and things like that, hopefully it's something we can get him along to, to meet some others with alopecia. And I think that would really help to, to boost his confidence in, in knowing that he's not alone and there's, there's plenty of others, you know, of us, both adults and children. I think, again, meeting adults with alopecia can be a really beneficial thing for children to kind of see that in a bit of a... Um, a role modelling and, and kind of, you know, they, they, they can see people living their lives and, and being happy and content, even though they've got alopecia, it's not, you know, it's not something that they have to worry about for their future. Yeah, 
Can I also just say, I don't know about the other parents and whether they've had this, but since Oscar's alopecia, age four, I've had people come up to me, not every day, but to say, oh, I love him, or what's the matter with him, or has he been poorly? And they've either donated something, given him something, um, which is lovely, but because you've got the child with you, you, you don't want to go into it, you know? And they will assume that he's got cancer because he hasn't got hair. And you say, no, it's not cancer, it's alopecia, and it's very difficult. And then they'll say, well, what's that? And you have to go into it. But because he's older now, he's much more aware, you know? Mm. Um, so I don't know if any other parents have found that, but I feel guilty because at times I haven't been able to tell parents or people that actually it's not cancer, it's alopecia. And I've just had to like accept it to not make a big deal of it. I don't know if any other... Well, I was about to say, I think that's, that's definitely a, one that crops up most with obviously children that have the, the total hair loss. Am I right in thinking, Emma, that ordinarily your daughter, does she, does she wear wigs? Am I thinking? She does, yeah. When she was losing, we, we went from a, it was similar to Serena, you know, we were doing everything we could to cover it. And then um, we, we worked very closely with the school. So she was allowed thick headbands and then tube scarves. Um, and then as she went back um, after New Year, she'd had a first wig fitted. Um, and yeah, occasionally she'll go out with, with nothing but only, she'll, she'll be fine around the house or up in the garden or anything. But yeah, I think the vast majority of the time she has, and she was working after we'd been to the meeting in March in Leeds, she was like, right, I'm going to, when I finish school for the summer, mum, um, I'm going to leave the school and I'm going to just take my um, hair off. And I was like, oh, brilliant, babe, you do that. Um, but obviously we didn't, unfortunately, we haven't been able to do that. Um, but she's talking about going back now. Um, and yeah, I don't think we're, we're in a position. So I haven't had that same experience as yourself, Isabel, with, you know, with people coming up because she's always, it's always, look, she, you wouldn't have noticed that I notice it and I know what's happening. Nobody else really notices it. Um, but there did some there was something came up at school when she was losing a hair and somebody had said something to her about somebody had basically said oh Ismael's got cancer and she came home and talked to me about it and I was no you absolutely must go back and make sure that people don't because it's easy for those sort of rumors to rumble around especially in secondary schools um but never had it but yeah she's not you wouldn't notice it as much um, because, yeah, most of the time she's, she looks like she's got ordinary hair. She was even accused of lying when she went back to school in the new year about her alopecia because she'd got a full head of hair when she went back, which obviously she had hair, but it wasn't her own. So, yeah, but no, not quite the same as Isabel. But, but I have definitely spoken to, to parents um, who, who do have, um, I say, particularly if, if your, your child has total hair loss, um, the, the visible difference element of that is obviously a bit more kind of out there. And, and I, myself as an adult, when I had total hair loss as well, um, I would have more kind of um, occasional perks that would come my way. And I think, have I got this for the right reason? And, and again, it does create a bit of an awkwardness, but then equally... The awkwardness can get worse by then having to try and explain yourself when 
I kind of think we don't have to explain ourselves. If somebody wants to do something nice, I think sometimes it's it's kind of about taking it. But I can appreciate why that would lead to feelings of, of guilt if, if that happens on a, a regular basis. The other, the other thing that scares me is wigs, believe it or not. And I know that sounds silly, but I'm a teacher and I kept one, there was one um, class I was teaching and funny enough, the, the child had um, total alopecia viata. And um, he came in with a wig and he was so happy with this wig. Um, but when I, I was a supply teacher and I was doing long-term work, and obviously I didn't know the class, I was getting to know the class um, to begin with, but outside in the playground when I was on duty, there were these group of children who came along and actually pulled the wig off the boy's head. And that has left a really huge mark with me. And that's what worries me about a wig for my child because the trauma he's had at school in the past yeah. and the situation, my son is now homeschooled. But I'd like him to go back to school at some point with the hope of having some hair, whether it be the wig. But at the same time, that's left a massive mark. No, mm. I don't know mm. if anyone's had that. Yes. Uh, sorry, Serena, you go. Not particularly me, but Holly has very much said that she doesn't want to wear a wig, that she feels that it's like she's hiding what's going on and that if children pull the wig off and see it, that the embarrassment of that will be worse than them yeah. possibly spotting the patches. Um, she also plays rugby and she was saying she really doesn't want to wear a wig when she's playing rugby because the chances of it being pulled off in the match are quite high. So yeah, I, I know exactly where you're coming from with that. I mean, I mean, wigs are always such a very personal choice. So it's, it's, it's always kind of, it's, it's, it should be you know, child-led and parent-led. I mean, I, I don't know how it came about with your daughter Emma and, and wearing wigs and how you know the conversation came about and 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 how she feels towards her wig I suppose. I mean she she's got a lot better I mean at first when they um we've never we don't call it wigs it's always hair hair. Uh, yep yeah and um and when we say the dermatologist the, the 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 two appointments that we've had they've been very careful to just call it prosthetics or something like that um, and at first it was as she just got the patches and we could cover it, everything was fine. But with the rapidity of the loss, we knew that we would have to start to just get things in place. So if she wanted to go down that route, we'd know where we needed to go and we could make it happen quite quickly and easily for her. Um, and even just, you know, walking past a shop where a positive image shop um, quite close to us. And, we, and she said, oh, can I just go in and have a look? Yeah, yeah, of course you can. And the whole of the Christmas and New Year period was taken up with visits to, um, I, we had another uh, fitting at the hospital, although that ended up in us having to come to Leeds um, to be fitted for an NHS one, Little Princess Trust, that was done by via somebody a little bit local, not particularly local, and they, they were absolutely magnificent. Um, but we'd already gone through from the mid-November when we got the diagnosis up to December of, of finishing for school, several occasions where when she'd got the tube scarf off, boys had grabbed it and pulled it. And on her, I think it was penultimate day at school, I got a because constantly looking at my phone, pupil services at the school rang and two girls had goaded another one on to grab the scarf off her head. 
and she'd done it. But as soon as she did it and saw what was underneath, the girl had burst into tears and gone running off and fessed up to pupil services herself straight away because it turned out that she'd got a family member with alopecia and she felt dreadful for it. She was still massively reprimanded. Both of the other girls that were involved in it were. And Isabel seemed to very much take it in a stride. But I think that was potentially at that point when she started to, she didn't want to get, she didn't want to look different. But also we have the, in a way she doesn't really want to wear it because she feels like she's hiding who she is. And, and I think I think that's the thing with wigs. Um, so again, I'll, I, I'm speaking as an adult with alopecia, but I, I feel very conflicted about wearing them. Um, and and I, I most often don't wear them. And I'll be honest, more more often than not, it's because of, I find them physically uncomfortable. Um, I'm somebody that I'm a bit of a free spirit, and I'd rather not have uh, have anything on. But my the kind of the, the itchiness and the heat is one thing, but then equally for me, there's an emotional um, kind of, I, I have a bit of an emotional barrier with wearing them. And for me, it's that whole, it feels like I'm trying to replace what I've lost, but I know that I haven't. So there's all sorts of different experiences and feelings that we have towards wigs. We all feel very differently about them. But I think I was kind of come back to you, Isabel, and, and, and say that it doesn't necessarily need to be that in order for your son to get back into um, mainstream school, he needs to have hair. It can be about him becoming a confident little chap yeah. without his hair. And, and often it's all about confidence and that kind of, it brings me on to my, one of my questions actually. I think it's often about building resilience in children. I think that was one of the things that, that Maya touched upon in that it's something parents want to be able to, to give their children is kind of confidence and resilience. And I was just wondering, is there anything in particular that you think has helped kind of boost your child's confidence or is there anything you're looking to do in the future? I, I, um, I decided to research some um, famous people or well-known people on TV who have no hair. And I, um, I discovered more than one, but I got in touch with Matt Lucas. And Matt Lucas has been brilliant. You know, he will do Zoom sessions with my son, Oscar. Um, and um, they're sort of like um, a friend there, you know, so he can go to for support. And I think actually that's probably one of the best things I've done because he's also got alopecia and he also developed it as a child. Um, rather than me going back to the doctors to say, look, my son isn't coping with this. He might need some extra support. Um, he, yeah, he's been superb. I can't just, it, it shows the, just how, um, how important it can be to have that kind of role modeling and that, that kind of, it, it can really help to boost confidence when he can see not only somebody, you know, in adulthood who's, who's coping fine, but also somebody that's done really well and is, you know, is, is, is leading a good and happy life. It, it can be a real boost, I think. Yeah. I've also written to some TV companies to ask if we could see some more people who um, have alopecia on TV, whether that's in uh, TV programs, I don't know, like Coronation Street and Senders or, you know, just, just general TV programs to try and get it more recognised and accepted um, and develop a better understanding of the condition, you know? 
and I think, I, think, I think that's so important and it's really funny you should mention that because coincidentally this week we, we put something out around um, an opportunity for, for somebody that just wanted for a regular TV show but they wanted to see somebody with alopecia represented in it. It was actually a children's TV show. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. so TV companies are, are doing that and it's good to see. And we as a charity, if we get those, um, those adverts our way, we're keen to put them out. We're keen to see people with alopecia represented in, in like you say, mainstream telly, but it, it not be a thing. It's just they're in there. They're in the mix. And, and, and again, from a, from a point of view of your children watching that, that can be really powerful because yeah. again, it's it's about being able to relate to somebody who's just like me. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree. Oh, I'm pleased about that. <laughs> yeah, no, that, and that is starting to happen. And I mean, I, I've been with the charity now for, oh, let's not think about it, six years. And during that time, I've seen a steady increase in, in things like that happening. And, and we're also seeing an increase in, um, you know, kind of modelling campaigns that are featuring people with visible differences, not just alopecia, but, you know, we've seen kind of like vitiligo on the catwalk and, you know, models with psoriasis. So things are kind of changing that is hopefully going to make younger generations that are, that are faced with a visible difference have, an, again, an even easier, um, you know, kind of journey with things. Because we know in the past from speaking to adults with alopecia who have had it from being a child, that, you know, we have come on leaps and bounds in, in, in the years that have, 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 you know, since passed, but it's, we've still got a long way to go, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, just a couple more things I was wanting us to discuss. You know, it's not all doom and gloom, and as much as things can feel kind of, you know, quite difficult at the beginning, but, you know, some families find that actually alopecia being in their lives you know, they can see a positive side to that. And I just wondered if, if you had any thoughts on that. I mean, from, from my own experience of having alopecia, I think I've become a more empathetic person towards others with, with whether there be visible differences or, or, or let's just say challenges. And I just wondered, have you seen as a family any positives come from having alopecia? Yeah. As a mum, um, I've become a lot more tolerant about things. I, I always thought I was going to be one of those parents that went, you're not going out looking like that. And I'd be really strict about makeup and what she wears. But um, through looking at the Alopecia Facebook site, um, there's a lot of women on there, particularly women who use makeup and that they use that to create their identity and to almost to deflect one from what's going on with their hair and to make them feel a little bit more feminine. So I've, Holly and I have not rowed at all about the makeup that she wears just because she's, it, it helps her feel better about herself and gives her more confidence. So what you're saying is that kind of the typical mother and teenager relationship of, of that, you're not doing that, you're not doing this you've kind of been a bit more relaxed with things like makeup. Yeah. Yeah. It, it changed my priorities a little bit, yeah. I think. And yeah. She has to find her way and she has to do what makes her confident. She's, she's always led the direction that the treatment's gone with the alopecia um, and how far down steroid, the steroid route she wants to go. Um, and I, yeah, she's always taken control of that. And I think that's been quite important for her. And now she's 16, she's taking control of her appearance and what she wants to do. And yeah, so that, that's been lovely. How about you two? Is there anything that you can draw from it in terms of, you know, do you, do you, do you feel that it's, or has it changed you as a family in any way? 
by having alopecia in your lives? Or is that too um, difficult a question? No, I, I mean, you do, you do get to that point of, you know, let's not sweat the small stuff quite so much as we used to, you know, there's, there's bigger things to think about. I think because we're still quite new to the whole process, um, I would say I'm still struggling for that positivity because we're going through it at the moment with, it seems to, she seems to be losing it again and um uh you know and it's it's how are we going to manage that and um stuff um that i think that i still feel very frustrated with the the condition because there is no yeah it will work no it won't and i think because she's kind of at that age you know um she's just turned 13 we've got the whole teenage years to go um you know the whole boys and she asked me the other day, what kind of husband do you think I'm going to have more? And I was like, <laughs> um, I don't know. But, you know, there was a lot of words of somebody who's kind and patient, understanding, empathise, all these words that it's like, because it, that's going to, that's what you're going to need in a husband. Because I know that that's what I've got in my husband who helps me to, you know, or we help each other to support her. So, so yeah, I, I would say still struggling a little bit with the positives, but you do, yeah, you do have a different set of priorities. And, and it's still really early doors in yeah. terms of your journey. I mean, it's great that you've joined us on this so so soon on with things. Um, I, I think, again, it's, it's always interesting to get that perspective. Yeah. How, how about you, Isabel? Anything that, that, um, that springs to mind? I think um, for Oscar personally and for me, well, for me, I've, I've become more aware because I'd never heard of alopecia until Oscar had got diagnosed. Um, there's um, being, becoming stronger. So I think Oscar's become much stronger in dealing with challenges relating to alopecia, whether that's people's remarks um, or um, the outcome of alopecia. Um, I think there's empathy there. He's, he's become much more empathetic towards other people who have got conditions. But I think there's also determination. Um, I've got much more determination in the hope that there will be a cure um, or at least contribute to finding a cure or um, finding what is actually causing the alopecia, what is the cause of this, um, or helping creating new treatment. Um, uh, yeah, so I think determination as well is important, yeah. Um, and I don't want to end on a really tricky question, but I'm going to throw one into the mix. Um, if you could kind of, if you could come up with just one piece of advice for for somebody that I don't know, let's say today they have just found out that their child's got alopecia, and they're feeling completely bewildered, what advice would you give to them? And I know that's a hard one because it's hard to give like a single thing. But is there anything that springs to mind that would be, if, if you know, you could tell that parent to do one thing, what would that be? Um, I, I definitely say that you're not alone. There's a huge amount of support and, and Alopecia UK, you know, I can't fault them. The, you, you've just, there is a huge amount out there. Um, it's just no, it's just knowing where to go with it. But the other thing I would say, and one thing that we did right from the get go was we were in and t we told the school what our expectations of them was rather than waiting but it was like, no, 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 this is what we're expecting. And they've stuck to it. So it's certainly with school age children, I'd certainly say, yeah, keeping the, keep, get a, tell the school what you need from them. 
I, I wanted to read a line actually, and we'll read it word for word that you, you popped in an email to me when we were arranging this chat. And I found, I found it was so powerful, Emma. And I think that every parent should take note of this. And, and if they're having any struggles with schools, again, get in touch with us as a charity, we'll see if we can help. But your words, I just thought we, we need to include this somewhere on our website because I really loved it. And, it. and you said, work with the school and don't accept less than your child deserves. Absolutely. And I just thought that, is absolutely what parents should be doing for their children um, and as I say we know that some schools absolutely get everything right some schools struggle with certain areas but I say if any parents are struggling with particularly with schools um, but yeah th th that's really good Emma. Um, how about you Serena is there anything that you can that you can think of in terms of if somebody's really struggling right now? Take each day as it comes that when you actually get there it, you'll cope with it um, Yeah. When, when Holly was first diagnosed, I was looking and almost looking at the worst case scenario. And at that point, I wasn't ready to deal with the worst case scenario, but taking it step by step, things did get worse with the hair and we coped and we got through it. So yeah, just don't look too far ahead. Just take and, it as it comes. And that's it as well. And I, again, I can relate to that so much because so many times when parents are getting in touch with us and I'm having these support calls, and they're often thinking, I say, to them, what, what are you thinking is the worst case scenario? And those words come up because that's what they're thinking. They'll say, well, he or she, whoever they're talking about, is going to lose all their hair. And then I'll say, but that, ha that does happen. We don't know if it's going to happen for your child. But I can say with some certainty that if it does, there are things that can help. And there are, it doesn't need to be that you're thinking the big doom and gloom outcome of my child losing hair. That's it. That's the end of everything that's not how it needs to be and there's so much that is out there now that so we can do as a charity that schools can be doing that, that say families can be doing it, it doesn't need to be that uh, that is the worst thing it's actually that's alopecia and if that's going to be the alopecia you know journey that you have it, it doesn't need to be bad it, it can be a very you know it can be something that you can live happily alongside and that probably leads us quite into Isabel because obviously your son is somebody who like me has had extensive hair loss so how is there anything you can say to sum it up? I think for me, it's more. I know, I know that I know getting the diagnosis is a devastation for the whole family. But when you're dealing with young children getting it, I think it's more. And I know it's extremely hard, but try not to show your devastation to to your child. Try and be really strong for for your child, and understanding and supportive. Um, but can I just say yes? schools but also medical professionals as well because like my experience it was just literally you've got a your Oscar's got alopecia get on with it type thing there was no support or really understanding of what damage can be done from the physical appearance of, of children and people you know the mental side of things and and that so um yeah I think I think it's um just that but I totally agree with Emma and Hannah you know yeah thank you and, and and you've just led me to kind of maybe one one further point because we, we haven't kind of said that, that one of the difficulties i think being a parent you're carrying your emotions sometimes then it can be really hard because it's hard to kind of keep those emotions in but sometimes it, it is helpful to actually not have all that emotion out with your child you be a child sometimes again often depending on their age but for the younger children it is important to kind of be that voice of reassurance and that voice of everything is going to be okay because it will be 
I think sometimes I have to kind of say to parents, sometimes you need to tell yourself that and remind yourself that it will all be okay. And that is hard if you're having a day where it has felt like it's all got on top of you a little bit too much. But um, I think that's probably a kind of a good chance to maybe kind of round up this chat. Um, I just want to firstly say, well, firstly say thank you to you guys. Thank you, Isabel and Emma and Serena for joining me. Um, I also want to say that if anyone is struggling um, or is just looking for information for um, whether it be for your child or you as a parent, there's lots of resources on our website. If you go to our website and look at the support and advice section, um, there's plenty of stuff there. And that's it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.